0: Hey, welcome to Sojourn. Uh, my name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to be together on this Thanksgiving week, even though it's a little blustery outside this morning, uh, but it's just good to gather with you. There's a lot of familiar faces and new faces this morning. If you're new here, uh, as Mike said earlier, we're just uh, grateful that, that God brought you to gather with us this morning. Uh would love to meet you and uh, get to know you and for you to get to know us, and hopefully this can be a community that you could find yourself being a part of, whether you uh, know and are following Christ or just kind of checking out uh, church and who this Jesus guy is. Uh, as Mike said, that's who we're about. That's what we talk about. We're in God's Word, uh, and that's where we're going to go now. So if you need a copy of the Bible this morning, would you just raise your hand? There'll be a few folks that'll bring a Bible around to you. You want you to be able to read along with us. We're going to be in the book of Matthew this morning uh, in chapter 7, and so just keep your hand up so they can find you if you need a copy of the Scriptures we know it is about to be a very busy uh, travel season, uh, even starting this week with Thanksgiving. I know many of you are probably going out of town. Who's going out of town this week? Yeah? All right. It's about half people. Half people's maybe sticking around. Uh, my, my recommendation to you is don't drive back on Sunday or it'll take you like twice as long to get back to to northern virginia if you 've never done that before, but it 's a busy travel season coming up, Thanksgiving this week, uh, and just a few weeks after that we 'll have Christmas time. Lots of people will be traveling for that as well i 'm thankful this year my family is not traveling out of the area for Thanksgiving. We alternate back and forth between uh, my parents house and my wife 's uh, parents house every other kind of holiday, and so we 're not traveling for Thanksgiving. We will travel for Christmas. Uh, but I'm thankful because I've just kind of come out of a season of traveling a few times to a few conferences. Uh, most recently, I was up in New York City uh, for a conference. haven't been there in a while, so it was fun to be back in New York City and just kind of be around uh, that area for a little while. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can get to New York City. Uh, you can drive. You could take the Greyhound or the Megabus up there. Uh, you could fly uh, into the airports that are up there, or you can take the train. I opted this time to take the train, never done that before, uh, but thought, hey, this would be good, It'll be a fun thing to do, I can get some work done uh, while I'm on the train. On the way up there, no problems, I uh, got there on time and, uh, and enjoyed that time up there. On the way back, however, uh, we had lots of different delays. Uh, coming out of New York City on a Friday on the train uh, isn't maybe always the best idea, and so we had lots of different delays. We got back to Union Station probably an hour, an hour and a half later than we were supposed to. And at various times, we would just literally stop on the tracks, not going anywhere. Thinking, what is going on? What's going on? We're not on the metro. I mean, I expect that there. Uh, this is Amtrak. Come on, we got to move a little bit quicker. Um, and so we get there and I'm thinking, man, what, what's going on? Why? I wish it was on a different train. I wish i had taken a different method to get here. There's so many other options besides the train. Now I'm regretting being on this train trying to get home. You know, Life can be like that sometimes. We can be on a path, get on a path, trying to head to a certain destination that we'd like to get to, uh, but we don't always foresee what is ahead on that path or on that destination we're on. And so the text we're going to look at today is we're in this inverted kingdom series is Jesus is preaching what's called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. We see Jesus lays out two things for us. He lays out the reality that there are really only two paths, two roads, two ways in life. And he tells us how they both end up. He tells us where they're going to go, what the destination will be, and what lies ahead for both of them. This text is really important for us this morning. We're just going to look at two verses today, but it's really important for us to pay attention to. Whether you're a a follower of Christ, whether you know Jesus, whether you don't know Christ. And again, you're just here uh, checking things out, or maybe you're here this morning and you think you know Christ, but you don't actually have a relationship with him. No matter where you're at on your spiritual journey, I want you to know two things this morning. I'm glad you're here and, uh, and pray that God would use this in your life, that we would heed the words of Jesus this morning and really pay attention to what he has to say and that God would use it in your life in a significant way. So we're going to break this sermon up into three points. Here's our three points. Our options, our response, and our life. Our options, our response, and our life. And again, my hope this morning is that God would use this, that you would walk out of here this morning uh, being impacted and changed and transformed because we've heard God's word today. So we need God's help to do that. I need God's help to do that. So let's go to him in prayer before we jump into Matthew 7. Let's pray together. Father, we just come before you today uh, and pray that you would help us, that you would open up our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts to receive your word this morning. I pray that you'd empower me to preach, that you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit to be able to preach faithfully and clearly. I don't have the strength or the energy or the ability on my own to do that, and so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a work. I pray that you'd fill us all with the Spirit to receive your word this morning and be able to take it into our hearts and our lives. Help us to listen. Help us to learn. Call us clearly and help us to respond to the invitation that you give to us. And so we pray you bless this time, that you'd be honored by it, and we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. We'll go ahead if you haven't already and turn to Matthew chapter seven. We're going to be looking at verses 13 and 14 this morning, verses 13 and 14. This is Jesus speaking? So listen to Jesus' words to you. He says, "Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard. That leads to life, and those who find it are few. As we've said throughout this whole sermon series, uh, it's good to be reminded of again that this is a continuous teaching of Jesus. It's a continuous teaching. This is all one body of Jesus's teaching. So everything he's saying here in just these two verses is connected back to everything that he's already talked about. He's gathered his disciples, his followers close to him, those whose lives are beginning to be transformed and changed because they're seeking to follow after Christ. And so Jesus is teaching them, he's teaching us about what life looks like in his inverted kingdom, his upside down kingdom, what life looks like when we're seeking to follow and live life with the king. In some ways, these verses that we're going to look at today are really the beginning of the end. Jesus is kind of wrapping up the bulk of his teaching in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and so we come to this place here in verses 13 and 14, and really through the rest of this chapter, and it's kind of his, uh, his last statements, his closing remarks, his conclusion to his sermon. Jesus has laid out what life with the king and the kingdom looks like, and Now it's kind of a decision time for us, for his listeners, for his hearers. Who will you follow? What now will your life look like? How now will you live in light of all that Jesus has said? And so out of care and concern for his people, he really gives a command. And he says, look, I'm giving you a command of the way to go that leads to life. The alternative is not another means to the same destination. Simply put, life outside of the kingdom of God is a life that leads to death. And so let's jump into what Jesus is saying here. Our first point is our options. What are the options that Jesus gives his hearers? Jesus starts off, he says, enter by the narrow gate. And so Jesus is using a metaphor. He's painting a picture for us here to understand. And in this metaphor, in this picture that he's painting, he's giving an exhortation. He's giving encouragement and really giving an invitation. We have to see these words from Jesus as a gift of grace to us. Because Jesus is calling us, all of us that are listening this morning, all of us that are here today, anyone else who will listen, here, here is the way to go. I mean, this is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all creation, who in love and in mercy and grace is saying to you this morning, go here, enter here, walk here, be alert, be awake, be aware. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Why? Because the alternative is not good. Jesus says enter by the narrow gate because the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. So this is the first of our two options. And really, it comes as a warning. That This way seems easy, the wide way, the easy way. It seems easy, but its end is death. The word easy here really means broad. It's wide. It's an easy traveling route. And in Jesus' day... It would have been easy for his hearers to understand what he was talking about when they're thinking about the city and the city uh, walkways and roadways and all of that, that there were wide gates. They were kind of the main thoroughfares for the city. And so if you had a lot of stuff with you, if you wanted to try and get somewhere fairly quickly, you'd go through these wide gates down these long and wide boulevards or avenues to get where you needed to go. If you had something you needed to carry with you, you'd go that direction. And so a lot of people would be on them. A lot of people will be traveling these ways because there's wide entrances and easy access. Maybe for our day, we the interstate. That the interstate is uh, a place that has, most of the time, if we're lucky, without traffic, there's a lot of people on it. It's fast moving, high speed to get where we'd like to go. Remember, this is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for our lives and our lifestyles. And this wide and easy way describes not only the culture of Jesus' day, I think it also describes the culture of our day. As one scholar says about the easy road, he says the easy road is the road of tolerance and permissiveness. It has no curbs, no boundaries of either thought or conduct. Travelers on this road follow their own inclinations. That is the desires of the human heart in its fallenness. Superficiality, self-love, hypocrisy, mechanical religion, false ambition... These things do not have to be learned or cultivated. Effort is needed to resist them. No effort is required to practice them. That's why the broad road is easy. And see, this is the way of our culture, the world we live in. Our world is always ready to preach to you. Our world is always ready to preach to you. It's always ready to to speak into your life, to call you to something. And it's through media, through Uh, Just the circumstances of the world we live in. It's always ready to speak to you. It's never silent. It's always calling you to something. It offers you shortcuts and it offers you comfort and it offers you ease in order to achieve things that we most desire in the depths of our heart joy and peace and life. It's a constant speaking to you. So we can start to grab on to that common belief that if it sounds good and if it feels good, that it must be good. And when we go this route, we zoom along, not noticing the warning signs of a literal dead end ahead. The reality, Jesus says, there are many who enter by this gate. There are many who are on this road. Because it's easy to fall into a follow the crowd mentality. Look, everyone else is doing it. It must be right. It must be good. It must be where I need to be. Because so many people are here. So many people are on this path. We want to line up with culture, not go against it often. But we need to understand that culture is persuasive and our hearts are easily deceived. Culture is persuasive and our hearts are easily deceived. And more often than we like to admit, we can buy into what they are seeking to sell us and give to us and call to us, not realizing or pay attention, paying attention to the end. Do you guys, anybody on their phone have a, uh, an app called Waze? Yeah? Yeah? My dad's over here. He loves Waze. You should just talk to him. Uh, he, would, he should be a spokesman for it. Um, Waze is another directional app, right? It's like your Google Maps, but, uh, it, but it used, you know, to give directions, GPS to tell you where to go. And one of the things about Waze is it's kind of a user-based thing, so it takes data from different users about traffic and other things, and it, it'll reroute you around traffic to get you where you need to go in the quickest possible way. The thing is, sometimes Waze tells you to do crazy things, to go crazy different directions in ways to get av- around things, Uh, This summer, we were on our way down to Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina, on 95, cruising down the road. And all of a sudden, it said, hey, we're taking you a different way. We're going to take you off 95. I'm thinking, why would I want to get off of the interstate? That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm trying to go somewhere and get there quickly. And you need to get off up ahead on this this side road. So I'm thinking, well, do I listen to Waze or do I not listen to Waze? 95 or side road? Maybe Waze is wrong. Maybe it doesn't quite have all the information And so we start to approach this exit that it's telling me to get off. And I'm thinking, do I do it? Do I not do it? I don't know. Traffic's slowing down a little bit before this exit. But this is where it's telling me to get off. And maybe it speeds up just past this. Maybe there's really not a big issue here at all. And it's it's old data. I just keep going. But I decide I'm going to trust Waze. And so we get off the road. And we go down this side road. And so this side road we're on is actually paralleling 95. And as soon as we get off, I recognize or realize there's just cars stopped on 95 for miles down the road and we're just zooming on by, by him, thanks to waves <laughs> so eventually we get back on 95 past where this accident or whatever was going on that was causing all of this backup but just because everyone is doing it doesn't mean it's the right thing right i could have been well everybody else is sticking on 95 so that must be the right way to go it must be where i need to go everybody knows something right here i, I should just follow the crowd in this moment here but not recognize it's helpful to have a guide. It's helpful to have someone who can look ahead and tell us what lies ahead to help us navigate it properly. Well, Jesus is our guide here. He's saying, look, I'm telling you where this road goes. I'm telling you where it's going to end, so listen to me. He gives this command, this warning, this encouragement to enter the narrow gate because our first option, this wide and easy way, is not going to go where you would like it to go. It ends in destruction. This leads to the second option. What is it? Why is it so much better? Where does it lead? In verse 14, Jesus gives us an alternative. It's the way that Jesus is calling us to, to enter this narrow gate, but it's not just another interstate. This is a very different kind of road. He says the entrance to this road is narrow. The path of this road is hard. You may be thinking, well, then why would I want to be on it? if it's narrow, if it's, if it's difficult, if it's a hard road, then why in the world would I want to be on it? It's because of the destination. The destination, he says, is life. See, we need to understand this morning it's a hard road, not because of all the difficulties necessarily that you'll, you'll encounter on that, though it'll be challenging at times. It's a hard road because it bucks against the distractions of the world. It bucks against the ways of the enemy and the desires of our flesh. See, on the wide road, we're promised the accumulation of things, both physical and immaterial things. It's a wide road for us to carry, just like in Jesus today, to carry everything with us, to bring whatever we want with us. Our burdens, our brokenness, our shame, our guilt, our sin. It's a road that's wide enough for for us to find our worth, in our wealth, in our clothes, in our relationships, in our houses, in our jobs, or our careers, in our sexuality. It's a, it's a wide enough road for you to pile all that on the back, to throw it on the trailer and just keep going. But the road that Jesus is calling us to is difficult because entering it means that all of that will be stripped away from you. All of it will be stripped away. Literally thinking, I can't squeeze through the entrance. All of that is being stripped away. All that I've accumulated from my own little kingdom See, on the narrow road, there is no space for competing kingdoms or kings, and that includes ourselves. See, the way of Christ may at times appear confining, but it's actually freeing, because as we've seen throughout this whole series, the king of the inverted kingdom is good and gracious, and he's perfect in all of his ways, and his kingdom is upside down to the way that maybe we've been thinking, the way that the world has called us to think. See, Jesus' commands are not to oppress us, they're to restore us, to give us freedom, to redeem us, to bless us, to make us more like himself. And so this life that Jesus has outlined as we go through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as we see the teaching that Jesus has given us, this, this kingdom way of living that he's called us to, it's not easy from the world's perspective, it's not easy from our own flesh's perspective, and in fact, it's impossible apart from God's grace. You cannot do anything Jesus has called you to on the narrow road apart from his grace, but his way is worth it. His way of life is worth it. Because see, when we come to the narrow gate, full of sin and shame and trinkets from our false kingdoms, entering through requires us to leave all of our burdens behind. Because when we come to the narrow gate, we come to and through the burden bearer. We come to Jesus. In John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Jesus tells us this. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, in John 10, Jesus is very explicit with this. He's telling us, look, I am the door. I am the way. If you want to be saved, if you want to be reconciled, if you want to have life, then come to me, come through me. And I'll allow you to go in and out to find green pastures, to find still waters, to shepherd your heart and shepherd your life. The opposite option for you is the thief. The thief, the one who's over the wide road. He he is not here to help you. He's here to only steal and kill and destroy you but I came to give you life, and not just a little life, but abundant life. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the gate. Enter through the narrow gate. Now, I want to be careful here. What we're not saying, what Jesus is not saying, is that you need to earn your way to God, that you need to figure out how to get through that narrow gate, that you need to pay a toll to get through it, to be on that road. It's quite the contrary. What Jesus is saying is he is the only way to God. Life with him and his inverted kingdom will be challenging at times, but it's the best place to be. So persevere. Run the race that's before you. Don't lose hope along the way as we wait for our blessed hope, the full and final return of our king. Entering the narrow gate means entering into fellowship, entering into relationship, entering into communion with the living God. And it happens through placing our faith in the sacrificial death and the life-giving resurrection of his perfect son, which makes it possible. It's fellowship, it's relationship that's begun here and perfected hereafter when we journey with him on his way, the narrow way. So this leads to our second point, our response. Our response. Like I said earlier, this text is a gift to you. It's a gift to me. It's a gift because it provides both a preview and a promise. A preview and a promise. It shows us these two doors, these two ways, these two outcomes, destruction or life. Now, our culture and our world, we like uh, Aristotle's golden mean, the Via media, right? The middle way. Let's, let's find the balance here. We don't want to be too far over here or too far over here. We like to find the middle way because we believe that the middle way, the, the median way, is the best way the best of both worlds but what Jesus is laying out for us very clearly here is there is no middle way there's no other gate there's no neutral group there's no third alternative he's abundantly clear there are two ways with two outcomes So simply put life apart from the king is not life it's death and so the command of Jesus here demands a response from you and from me and from anyone and everyone in the world the reality is many in our culture, in our world, maybe even you this morning, are familiar even with aspects of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. We, we've talked about that. There's a lot of familiar areas this. our culture grabs onto the teaching of Jesus, sometimes even applauds it or uses it. We can go back to things like a couple of weeks ago, the golden rule. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Our, our culture, that's good. Let's do that. Jesus' teaching here is good. But as our world sometimes is familiar with it, even applauds what Jesus is teaching here, they don't know the Lord and the King who spoke them. See, friends, we need to see what Jesus is saying to you here and now as an invitation to follow Him. Because the reality is, you and I would not find that narrow gate apart from grace. Apart from God's grace showing it to us. And Jesus is pointing it out to you this morning. Enter the narrow gate. Here it is. Here am I. Enter. Listen to me, if you want to be popular, if you want to be comfortable in this life, then the way of Jesus is probably not for you. Because we live in a world that's been made clear to us through Jesus' teaching that when we follow the king and his kingdom, we are people that exist in the margins. We we aren't at the center, we are the outcasts, we aren't insiders in our world, we are outsiders, we aren't explainable, we're anomalies. The problem for some of us this morning, I think, is that we hear the call to follow King Jesus, but we want to wait a little longer. We want to wait a little longer. Like I said, we normally travel for different holidays, and my wife's family, Amy's family, lives down in uh, Roanoke, Virginia, which is just down uh, 81. And so to get down to their house, you jump on 66, head to 81, and spend a good chunk of time on 81. Well, Route 11 runs uh, kind of parallel to 81. You could take that also all the way down to Roanoke. And so there's times where 11's in view from 81. There's different places on the road you can look over and you can see that road on the side uh, of 81. I think some of you, it's like you're on 81 and you can think to yourself, as long as I can keep Route 11 in view, I should be fine. As long as I can keep it in view, I should be fine. I just need to go a little bit further on this road. Then maybe I'll jump over. See, I fear some of you might be giving a head nod to Jesus, in his ways, but are doing so from the wide way. A way that gives the deceptive sense of freedom, the deceptive sense of independence, but all the while you're not noticing all the signs along the way that say bridge out ahead. Bridge out ahead. I think there are too many of us that call ourselves Christians, but are not on the narrow road. We think that we know Christ, that we're saved, but the reality is we aren't. We know enough information to know that, but we don't actually have that relationship. We haven't actually entered through the narrow gate. See, at the end of the day, it's not what you say about yourself, it's who you're following. It's who you're following. The question is simple then for us this morning. Are you with Jesus or not? Do you know Jesus or not? As one pastor says, Jesus is the narrow road and the narrow gate. The only thing that matters is finding Him. Or better, Jesus finding you. Is He calling you to Himself? Come to Me, He says. Come to Me, all who are weary. Are you feeling weary today? Come to Me, all who are heavy laden. Are you crushed by your sin and your shame and your brokenness and your burdens? Come to Me and I will give you rest, He says. Is your soul ready to rest in the lavish grace of our God then today enter the narrow gate walk in the way of Jesus a path and a place where you are both fully known fully known inside and out top to bottom every single thing you've ever thought or done God knows it fully yet at the very same time you are fully loved fully loved I like summertime like to be especially in days like today I like to go out to the pool with my family and my kids. like to play in the pool and, and, and swim around. And it's just a fun time to be there. It's fun watching them play in the water and splashing around and learning how to swim. And life with Jesus, life on the narrow road in the kingdom of God is like the swimming pool. Some of us are in it. Some of us this morning, we're in it. We're learning. We're swimming. We're growing. Some of us are better swimmers than others. We've been in that pool a little bit longer. Some of us have just gotten there. And so we're, we maybe still have our floaties on. You know, we're learning, we're swimming around, but we're in the water. We're in the kingdom of God. We're in the pool. We're others of us. We're at the edge of the pool. We're walking around it. We're sitting in the chairs next to it even. We can see it with our eyes, but we haven't quite jumped in yet. And so if that's you this morning, let me just implore you to jump in. Jump in. Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses stood before the people of God and he said, I set before you this morning... Today, life and death, blessing and curse. Moses says, choose life. And I stand up here this morning to say to you, to implore you this morning, choose life. Enter through the narrow gate. The ends are clear. It's destruction and death or life forever with your creator, with your God, with the only true God. Follow Jesus. This leads to our third and final point, our life. What does life look like on this narrow path once we're on it? What should I expect? For those of us that are on it, what do we experience? I mean, really, we could spend so much time talking about this, but the good news is, basically, that's the whole New Testament. If we want to understand what life with Jesus looks like, what God is calling us to, what God's pressing on us, what He's working in, in and through us, we can read the rest of the Scriptures, we can read the New Testament and see that. This morning, I just want to talk about a few things here. Jesus told us that not many find the narrow gate or walk the hard way. Why? Is it because some of us are smarter than others of us? No. There's a reason there's not many people on the narrow path is because the blinding effect of sin is so great that the enticements of the world are so strong because Jesus' kingdom is upside down compared to the ways of the world. But when you follow Jesus, when you walk in his ways, it puts you at odds with the culture of the wide and easy road. So when you start to follow Jesus, when you enter through that narrow gate, you may not be liked. You may be called names. You may be laughed at and ridiculed. Because the ways of Jesus are not the ways of humanity. Jesus has brought about a new humanity, a new way of living, a new way of being. You're a new creation in Christ, through Christ, through his life, his death, and resurrection. And we see this more and more in our own country, even in recent days. So we need to understand, if we're walking on the narrow road, following the king, there should be some, something of a, of a feeling of being out of place in our world. Of not finding a place in our world or our culture. In the midst of even the political rhetoric that we've experienced, you should be uncomfortable with all of it. Because we don't, the way of Christ doesn't align with a party or a person or a political agenda. It aligns with Jesus and his kingdom. So we have to to understand that. If we're not feeling that, then maybe we need to step back for a minute and say, man, where am I going? What am I following? Where am I putting my hope? We should find ourselves in this now and not yet place of people in the kingdom of God thinking, man, this place is clearly not my home. It's not my home. I'm waiting for my king to return. See, what separates and differentiates Jesus' followers, what separates and differentiates his kingdom people from the world is not arbitrary choices and actions. It isn't merely that we even call ourselves Christians. It's not because we wear Christian t-shirts or go to Christian events or exist in a Christian subculture. That's not what differentiates us between the ways of the wide way or the narrow way. It's the fact that when we follow Jesus, when we seek to walk in his ways, we follow a new king. And this new king and his ways are set against the manifesto of a world that is fundamentally at odds with the kingship of Jesus. We can't follow two kings. We can't be on two roads. Listen, these two roads, they're not separated because of works. They're separated because of grace. Because Jesus has called us. He's shown us. He's saying, here I am. Come to me and through me. See, it isn't about following rules or checking boxes off. It's about a journey with Jesus. Believing that what he calls you to is for your good, even when it's hard. Obedience is difficult at times. Pursuing holiness is challenging at times. It's not constricting, though it's freeing for us because in following Christ, he continues to strip away any false worship in our life, the sin that so easily entangles us. He continues to cut it away and away and away. And sometimes that's painful. But it's always for our good. So we can joyfully walk in obedience. We can joyfully seek to honor our King because we love our God who saved us, because we want to honor him with our lives. So, the question for us this morning, if we're on that narrow way, if we call ourselves followers of Christ, is will you walk with him? Will you follow him? Will you cast off all the empty offers that, of this world to receive that alone which will last forever? the world will never relent. It will never relent from calling you to put on your turn signal and take a sharp left to join them on the wide and easy path to death. But this way provides immediate fulfillment. Come over here. But this way is more fun. Come over here. But this is who you really are, so come over here. But let's be aware of false claims on your identity. Your identity, if you know Christ, is in Christ and Christ alone and nothing else. Don't allow the world to tell you that your identity is connected to your sexuality. Don't allow the world to tell you your identity is is connected to your net worth, that your identity is connected to your career or your degree or what you look like. That's the way of the wide and easy way. Your identity, if you know Christ, if you're on the narrow way, is in him. You're united to Jesus. And the journey can be difficult at times. We'll all experience trials and temptations, remaining sin both within us and within others. And we're in this place we know is not yet our home. The fullness of the kingdom of God is not yet here. All brokenness has not been removed. And so there's times on the narrow road where it's difficult and challenging. And though many people are not on the narrow road, one of the blessings of following the king and his kingdom is that there are fellow travelers on the journey with us we don't travel alone. This week uh, for me has been kind of a challenging week, a difficult week for a few different reasons. I had a whole lot to do. Uh, I was tired, had some hard meetings, hard conversations to be had. And in the past, if I'm honest, I would oftentimes just try to kind of muscle up on my own, read my Bible sometimes, pray sometimes, sometimes, but a lot of times what I wouldn't do is reach out to other people outside my wife to let them know I'm, I'm having a hard time, I'm struggling here, I need some help, I need some support, I need some, some, some encouragement, I need some prayer. Uh, but this, reach, this week I reached out to several different people, text messages, phone calls, conversations, particularly before a, 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 a challenging meeting. My emotions and my thoughts were all over the place. I knew, though, I knew by God's grace, I knew I couldn't walk this part of my journey. I couldn't go down this particular path, uh, this part, part of the path that lay ahead for me, over this particular hurdle on the race that I was on. I couldn't do it alone. I couldn't do it alone. So people prayed for me, and I, and I felt the Spirit's strength and encouragement. And one friend sent me some of God's Word. And this is the text from Psalm 16. I just want to share it with you this morning. They sent this to me. It says this, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, to, in your presence there is fullness of joy At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Encourage me with God's truth. Encourage me with God's word. See, in this life, on this journey, you will struggle, you will suffer, you will sin. You will fail, you will falter, and you will fall. But listen, let's never forget this reality. You are only able to walk this road because you see Jesus ahead of you, walking with you. Jesus says to you all along the way, I am here I am with you. I will never leave you. I will go before you. I will be beside you and I will be behind you. Ah, Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure. Why? Because my king rules and reigns over everything. and He has given me good gifts of good people to remind me of that when I forget. To remind me that it's worth it to move forward. It's worth it to walk in obedience. It's worth it to say no to the temptations of this world. It's worth it that this and this alone is the path of life, even when it's hard. See, sometimes you'll get lost. You'll get knocked down. You'll get hurt, be tired, hungry, disoriented, and distracted on this journey. Maybe some of you are there right now, and it's hard. It's hard to be in that place but it's also okay okay to admit that. It's okay to admit where you're struggling to believe. It's okay where you're admitting to struggle where you're struggling with doubts. Is this really worth it? Does this really lead to life? Should I really be here? Does God really care? But let me encourage you this morning, whether you're struggling or you're in a joyful place in your life and in your faith right now, who are you letting into your life? Who are you letting in? Whose life are you getting involved in? Who do you need to let know that you need some help this morning? Who are you intentionally building relationships with, with along the way? See, sometimes we can have just a perceived, um, a, a, a perception of, of community and relationships. We, we can be like drivers on a road, and we feel like we're a part of something because we see other cars next to us, but we're not talking to those people. Man, is that your life right now? Are you just zooming past people? You're kind of walking with somebody. Ever been hiking, right? You're just kind of, there's people around you going the same direction. Man, do you need to stop and turn to somebody and say, hey, I need some help. Hey, what's going on in your life? Where are you struggling right now? Do you want to quit? Because I know I do sometimes. We can't have a false picture of community. We need to get in each other's lives to help each other to stay the course and remind each other it's worth it. This is where life is found. Don't listen to the siren call of the world. One pastor recently tweeted, people who are thriving spiritually tend to be people who are regularly gathering with the church, regularly gathering in community, and regularly reading the Bible. Is that to be legalistic? No, those are God's gifts of grace to you to help you, to keep you and me on the path, walking in obedience to our King, to remember our destination, that though we now see in a mirror dimly, one day we will see face to face. Now you know in part, but then you will know fully, even as you've been fully known. So don't give up. We are a gift of God's grace to one another. We don't always get it right. Some of us hurt one another in community. Some of us have been hurt by others in this community. We don't always get it right. We mess up sometimes. Man, that doesn't change the fact that we need each other. The alternative isolation is always deadly. So let's pick each other up. Look out for one another. Encourage one another every day as long as it's called today so that we can lift our gaze and fix our eyes once again on the king who is faithful and true. We're not called just to remind each other though and help each other. We're also called to look around to those that are on the wide and easy way and call them over. Saying, friend, I know where this goes. I know where this goes. It doesn't end well. It ends in death. It ends in destruction. There's something better. There's something lasting. Life forever with a God who made you and loves you and sent his son to rescue you. And so my call for us this morning is also to walk with one another, but to look to those that are on the wide and easy way and go out to them and call them to join you on your journey. Say, I don't know. I don't have it all right. I don't have it all figured out, but I know where this goes. It's the only path to life. Maybe you find yourself this morning ready to start that, to to get off that wide and easy way and to get onto the narrow road, to walk through the narrow gate. Man, would you come talk with somebody? Jesus is ready to receive you, to give you his righteousness, his perfect life, so that you might be made whole and be in the kingdom of God. Listen, the road with Jesus is not for all stars. It's not for all stars. It's not for people who are perfect. It's not for people who are all cleaned up, for those who have it all figured out. The road with Jesus is for desperate people who are desperately weak, desperately dependent people. Is that you? Jesus invites you. Is that you? Jesus calls you, enter through the narrow gate. Come, sit at his feet, follow him, find rest for your soul, walk with him. He will never disappoint. In him is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. We're going to come to the communion table now, and as we come, we need to recognize this morning that this is a meal for you and for me, a meal along the way, along the narrow way. We are not home yet. Jesus has come. He lived a perfect life. He died for us in our place for our sin, and he rose again from the grave. He defeated sin and death, and he has gone to prepare a place for us in his father's house. And so now we find ourselves waiting eagerly for his return, waiting for him to bring about the fullness of his kingdom, to reach the end of that narrow way and to come into the city of our God and see him face to face. So this meal that we partake in is a nourishment for our souls along the way. It refreshes us, it calls to our hearts and our souls and tells us to keep pressing forward. That Jesus' body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. It's worth it. This is the way of life. He is the way to life. So keep pressing on. And so as you come to the table this morning to eat and drink, you join with thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of other saints, other believers, other brothers and sisters that have gone before you and are currently walking with you and proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. So come this morning. Come to the table. Eat and drink. Be encouraged this morning to walk out of here continuing on the narrow way that at times can be difficult, that at times can be challenging, but it's always worth it. And if you're not a follower of Christ, we would just ask you this morning not to come forward because this meal doesn't bring you into the kingdom of God. It doesn't bring you through the narrow gate. Only Jesus does that. This is a picture of that reality already taking place in your life. And so if you haven't yet come to Christ. If you haven't asked for Jesus to save you from your sin, I want to just invite you again to do that this morning. Just hang out in your seat. Don't come forward and eat the bread and drink the cup this morning. Just take Jesus this morning and let somebody know that you're ready to do that so that next week we can come forward with you and celebrate with you as a new brother or sister in this family. If you have questions about what it means to know and follow Jesus, please talk with me, talk with anybody else here. We'd love to journey with you in that those of you that will come forward, you can come to the front or to the back, tear off a piece of bread, take a small cup to drink, and hear what Jesus has done for you, and maybe that refresh your soul this morning. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you are the one that calls us to yourself, that you're not hidden Lord, that you've revealed yourself to us through Christ who's come to to explain you to us, to show you to us that we might know you and be in relationship with you, our good Father. And so this morning, Father, I just want to pray that you'd help all of us to see, to see that we we desperately need you, that it's okay to be a desperate person in need of grace. Father, I pray this morning especially for those that, that maybe think that they're on the narrow road that actually aren't. Father, if there's people in this room this morning that are on that wide road, that are on that easy way that's leading to destruction, would you open their eyes and their ears this morning to see where that end is and would you call them to yourself to bring them over to the narrow way so they might know you and follow you and live their lives for you and be reconciled to you. Lead us all to repentance this morning where we are tempted to to follow the way of this world instead of our King. Would you lead us to repentance this morning that we might walk in faith with you Help us to stay the course, knowing and believing that life is found in you and you alone. We praise you for your grace, that when we fail and falter and fall, that you are there to pick us up and to bring us forward. And we know in confidence that you will bring us all the way home. Help us to rest in that reality and to honor you with our lives. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.